Hey, this is Lydia Igoche from She Leads in Tech. Well, today I've got a very exciting topic to talk about, and it's one I've been um, rolling over for uh, some time. Um, just thinking about what's the best way to present this topic because it's one we are all familiar with, it's one we've heard lots and lots about and it's one we've grown up with. So it's the subject of um, the G's in technology and why we need one more G. So in wireless communication, and I know everyone's probably heard about 5G and what's going on with that and you know some people feel a bit miffed about 5G, you know, because of all the, um, and I'm doing air quotes now, um, health concerns around what 5G would bring. And a lot of the time I heard that I've gone, but you've lived with 4G all of the time. Why didn't you have a problem with that? Because 5G at the moment in its current deployment, as we have it primarily in the UK, is an extension of what we already do for 4G. Um, in, in many aspects, 4G, um, sorry, 5G builds on the existing capabilities um, already available and everyone's already familiar with, with, with the 4G networks. I think one of the things 5G does, which is um, one of the most exciting um, introduction as, as a new technology is that increase in bandwidth from what is available in the 4G space into what is now available in the 5G space. So if you think about a network capacity, and when I say network, I mean radio network capacity as a whole, you are looking at networks that have gone from, you know, being capable to support maybe 100 megabit per second at specs to a network that is capable of supporting um, up to two gigabits at its best, you know, best condition. But I wanted to go back slightly and just look at where that journey has come from. And I want to um, translate this evolution in, in technology standards in my own voice, from my own experience. So I, I grew up, um, I'm a child of the 80s, by the way, so I'm, I'm not going to tell you my age, but I guess that gives it away. So my first exposure in technology uh, was around the typical landlines because we were lucky to have one at phone um, at home. And um, back in the days, uh, believe it or not, um, when I got conscious about technology, um, you know, having a phone wasn't commonplace. I mean, I, I grew up in Africa, in Nigeria uh, specifically, and you know, it, it wasn't given that everyone had a phone uh, in, in their houses. I don't know how, how, how it was in the West because I didn't live here then. But I guess at that point, you know, you had a phone in your house and you needed to be present. So you had all the fixed lines um, all wired into your house. You would have lines drawn from the, um, from the cabinet outside the street right up to your home. And that's how you got your service. And the service at, the, at that point, as all of us are familiar with, was a voice-based system. So it was an analog system, which meant um, you got communication over a fixed line 
and then you send communication over a fixed line and you got what you got. Speeds were very low, but the main point of that technology was to de deliver um, voice communication from one end to the other with both terminals being fixed. So that's really the bane of 1G existence. And starting to think about that and you know how things change I guess for me personally it was in in the late 90s and my own um, need for mobile communications came around um, having to leave home and go to university but because at that time in the it, sorry in the late 90s early 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 noughties um phones were very expensive and you know you had the new 2G 3G phones available then and I recall at that point when I was leaving home it cost somewhere around 16,000 nairas which might have been the equivalent of 100 pounds just to get a sim card um, but I, I was lucky again so I had a sim card and I had a phone with me and, and and I went to university. So for me, around that time, so sort of late 90s and 2000s was where I started being um, familiar with mobile communications. And at that time, I, um, I, I got into university, I was studying physics, but not immediately making the link between um, how all of the physics I was studying around ele electromagnetism was enabling uh, the communications I was using every day. It's very funny, but I didn't make that link until when I was in my um, third or fourth year in university, because back home in Nigeria, most engineering or science related courses were five year degrees. So I got interested in um, how, how things work and you know, got lucky to uh, be able to do an internship with Ericsson in the early days and, you know, starting to see um, the detail around communications and, and particularly it was around uh, WCDMA, GPRS and edge communication. So I, I witnessed that growth, you know, through my own usage and almost through um, direct transition through my education as well into the 2G, 3G, uh, 2G, 3G space and got very um, early hands-on exposure to 2G, 3G technology. Um, but what I wasn't thinking about at the time is, you know, what has driven all of this uh, evolution? Why has it been necessary to move from um, a fixed base um, uh, telecommunication system into wireless based telecommunication system. And bearing on my own experience, you know, the world was expanding. I mean, I, I left home personally. So for me, what that enabled was um, the ability for my family was, uh, to, to communicate with me easily, um, even though I live miles and miles away from home. And of course, vice versa, for me to be able to communicate easily with my uh, with with my family. And of course, there's been various needs, and you know, everyone's reason is is different. We all have our whys in this um, great telecommunication um, equation. But one of one of the things I've always come back to in terms of what are the drivers behind technology as it evolves is around our, our behaviors as users of the system. Because I believe at a given point, 
you know, this switch started started to happen and then technology kind of driven by consumer behavior started to adapt to what people wanted. So people wanted to, you know, be able to access um, everything everywhere. Um, if I can borrow that phrase from, from EE. And, you know, this has driven quite a lot of uh, development and, and transformation. So, Again, going back to the three three G space is where things started to get, I would say, quite complicated. Not that the technology was ever simple in itself, to be honest. But um, I, I I came into the early stages of my career working, you know, in the three G, going into the four G space, and again, you know, getting my head around all of these different systems seen, you know, back then in Ericsson, they had the AXC10s, the AXC810s, um, the mobile switching centers, all of that, you know, starting off, you know, start, starting to see, you know, that this is where, you know, all of the central, so this is the brain of the system. And I believe that's what the MSC was called back in the days. So we had all of this fascinating technology and also starting to get into, you know, the data enabling side. So I guess going from 1G, um, where it was a voice um, analog um, system and starting to go into early 2G development, which was again mainly voice, but starting to bring in the cellular, the mobile aspect of the technology, the wireless aspect of the, of the technology into um, into well, I'll say general usage, into into common common usage for everybody. Um, so we've got we've 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 got that coming in um, into G, but then you also start to get um, the introduction of the data components, and this is where, in terms of the network architecture, things start to split out a bit. So um, I, I recall in particular a time when I worked with one of the uh, operators in, in the UK and I actually worked on the packet switch side of things and, and from, from that point onwards actually started to do more packet switch um, technology focused work and you know it was it was always like you know the guys doing the voice calls from one side doing their thing because it interfaced into um, the MSC side, which dealt with all, well, it was the MSC media gateway elements, which dealt with all of the circuit switch aspects of the network. And then, um, then the packet switch side, we started to process all of the packets, um, packets, uh, packet switch aspects of the network, which enabled um, connectivity to the uh, internet gateway. So if you get the circuit switch side, will get uh, terminated um, in the PSDN or, or say, say the local, local exchange. And then all of the data um, on the packet switch side gets terminated into, well, into the internet um, essentially, because we had to go into the internet to collect data and, and all of that interesting, interesting, um, interesting interfaces that work around, you know, giving us the information we need, whether they're on the voice side or on the data side. But one of the things I found interesting as an end user of the technology system and also someone that was quite active, well, actively testing it at the time, is that, you know, I started to find things a little bit slow. So I got to the point where I wanted to do things. So for example, um, 
I wanted to stream things on the internet or just get, you know, some information, browse something about this. And it was awfully slow. It, it was, it was unbelievably <laughs> slow. It was terrible, to be honest. And, you know, part of what I, I started to think about at that point is, okay, you know, where is this going? What's going to make this better? How is this improved? And I started to look, you know, okay, you know, understanding the technology and all of that, still in that process of understanding the technology, we'll get there in a bit. Um, but for me as a, as, as, a, as a person, I found it incredibly frustrating that I couldn't, you know, download a decent looking um, image on, on my phone. I think then I had, um, what I had, it wasn't a Nokia, 3310, I believe it was a Samsung. I can't remember the model now, showing my age. Yeah. But none of those phones had the capability to do all of the fancy things we do now with our smartphones and smart screen. And it's really crazy to see that these technology, you know, they haven't been around for that long. I mean, I think I got my first iPhone, was it 2000 and must have been six or, 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 or seven, or was it later than that? Anyway, they haven't been around for that long, but we are so dependent on them because it's really changed the way we live. But behind all of that, technology has been, in a way, forced to evolve. So we have, I guess, more widespread 4G at the moment. And, and just to backtrack in terms of identifying the benefits so of course we start from 1g which is analog based system voice based we're going to 2g 2.5g edge gprs umts based system which start to introduce you know the concept of packet switch and circuit switch data to enable um voice and and data connectivity simultaneously but the problem with that is speed nothing was ever fast enough and, and, and what that that was a symptom of was the amount of uh, capacity available in the network so the bandwidth um used uh, to carry the signals in 1g 2g 3g they're simply not big enough they've never been big enough so moving to 4g was kind of like the first step of introducing more bandwidth introducing um, higher modulation, which means you know you're able to pack more data into um, into the frequency channels that carry the data between devices uh, in in networks. However, still not enough because we all want Netflix on the go. We all want to watch stuff on the tube. I certainly do. I like to you know get my banking done when I'm up and about. I check on my kids to see how they've done in school. They've done in nursery. So. I want all of my information now, and so do you. So so does everyone. You know, we've got our our, our Facebook, our social media. I mean, today I've been <laughs> practically Instagramming from everywhere because I had day off, and you know, it just yeah, it it was it was a nice thing to be able to do that. But the consequence of that is that I've used quite a good chunk of capacity because I'm sending real-time information, I'm sending video inform, um, information that is quite heavy um, heavy to, to process and, and can easily eat up quite a lot of capacity on the, on, the, on, the, on the radio access network. So 
if you've got lots of people doing that at the same time, you know, think about, you know, everyone in, you know, big stadium, maybe watching Chelsea or Arsenal or, you know, one of the other big clubs play a game and everyone's streaming and FaceTiming and doing state, uh, you know, status updates all at once. You need much bigger bandwidth because when you think about 4G, typically, if all the conditions are right, conditions being, you know, you've got great radio signal, um, you've got good proximity to the cell, there are not too many people on it. The maximum you can get is around 144 megabits per second, which is, you know, pretty much what you get wired into your house if you've got um, fiber network connectivity. However, if you switch that around, and you put that on a mobile network where you've got lots of people sharing the same resources. Um, what you get is absolute carnage because everyone is competing for the same thing um, at the same time. And the network has to try to get really clever to make sure it's allocating the right resources to the right people at the right time. Um, check where you are, check what signal you've got. If you've got good signal, then I give you that. If you've got bad signal, then I give you that. And it's quite um, the juggling act, to be honest. But one of the solutions that have um, been given by industry is to increase that bandwidth. Because on, on one of my podcast episodes, I talked about how the different frequencies from, you know, stuff in the... Um, in the mid band, in the high band, and looking at um, utilizing very high frequencies for communication. So we get the bandwidth once you move into um, higher frequency spectrum and you use that for, for transmission, but it's not the end of it. It's not the all, all in all in the conversation um, because you give higher bandwidth and then you introduce other problems because one of the um, limitations that comes with transmitting signal at higher frequencies that you've got a much smaller coverage area. So if you had um, a mid-mad frequency range, maybe around 900 megahertz, and you could cover maybe, you know, a, a, a kilometer, say, um, well, in, in certain conditions, and you had... Um, What's frequency, say 28 gigahertz frequency, you've got a much smaller coverage area. You're talking about um, tens of meters at best. And that's me being very, very uh, optimistic. And there's a lot that can happen with that. You know, you get very high propagation loss, you get, you know, blockage, you get all manner of things that can go wrong. So the, you get the wide bandwidth but then you get lots of challenges to make that work. So one of the things that has been really good with 5G is that it's, it's kind of a halfway house where you get um, frequencies operating in the sub six gigahertz, particularly frequencies operating between 3.4 to 3.6 gigahertz spectrum. That's the range being used um, in the UK currently. Uh, what's great about those frequency spectrum is that, you know, they can carry a lot of data if you've got a lot of, um, what do you call it? If you've got a lot of concurrent spectrum, so you've got a block of spectrum that is as big as 100 megahertz in bandwidth, so you've got that chunk. What you can do is use that in your network. You plan that into your radio network, into your cells, um, 
radio planners know all a lot about the magic of how that happens. But what that enables you to do as a carrier is provide that additional capacity. And because the 3.6 um, gigahertz frequency range is not so high in frequency that A, it cannot propagate as far as it should. And in some cases, it can penetrate some buildings, although not as good as the lower frequency range. So it's actually that halfway house between providing the immediate capacity um, people need, you know, to support their daily lives, support, um, support, you know, all of the different things we, we know and love to do. Um, but not just that, you know, we've got critical infrastructure, we've got our energy infrastructure, we've got emergency services, we've got all of that information going over the same system. So 5G gives, you know, halfway house where you can use, you know, some of the higher frequency and then you can still get a decent amount of coverage. But that coverage is not universal. So it doesn't mean, for example, one 5G mask puts here would cover everywhere. It's, it's more of you know, a, a capacity. And this is how I like to think about 5G. I like to think about it as a capacity. And that's what it is. It is there to provide additional capacity, not to give coverage. So in, in, in the industry recently, there's been, uh, and, and there is currently a lot of talk around 6G. And I keep asking myself, why do we need another G? So we've got 4G, which... Um, I would say is it is successful because we all we all use it. It doesn't do what we need it to do, but you know it's done, it's done its bit. And then we've got five G, which uh, in my view is incredibly expensive to deploy, and, and you have to really pick and choose. It's not a one size fits all. You have to pick and choose where you put it because you want to put it in a place where you get returns, you get value for money. Um, as an operator, because A, it's expensive to buy the spectrum. B, it's, <laughs> it's expensive to deploy as well, because you need a lot of fancy tech. Um, so to put up 5G, you need to buy specialist equipment. It's the same with every new technology. You need to introduce new components of hardware into your system. Particularly for 5G, you need to buy massive MIMO um, equipment. So that's literally um, a, a, a special kind of antenna which packs in lots of different antennas to help you concentrate energy to distribute the signal. That's that's what it is in a in a in a nutshell. So you've got to do that. But on top of that, you also have to make sure you have the right backhaul connected. So what backhaul is is you know everybody goes into a certain radio transmitter, but to get all of that information out of that site you need to be able to transmit the data over a physical medium. Now, um, we had Maya telling us about this the other day, so you can still do this over radio if you've got um, transmission links that are able to carry the data. And it's typically frequencies around the 80 gigahertz uh, spectrum. I believe 28 gigahertz is also utilized there and E-band in general. So you need to have this spectrum to be able to do that. Or you need to have fiber in place and not many radio sites in the UK today have that fiber backhaul. So you've got some sites that are still using 
100 megabytes link, which means if you've got one gig, one gig, two gig, 10 gigs in your radio access network, it's no good because you can never transmit that data down the line to the next hop. So either to a router somewhere, um, all the way to a data exchange, or maybe somewhere across the world, wherever that data is uh is is been is been sent as an endpoint so when we talk about the g's the g's is primarily a way to make the radio access network better but in terms of looking at the end-to-end -end communication system in general it's not simply a case of doing more on one side it has to be an approach where um enhancements are made all the way through the network, right from the radio um, to the access transmission, to the IP network, to the um, to the routing network, also the IP and, and routing, you know, work together, but they're different, <laughs> different layers, if you understand the OSI layer and what I'm trying to describe. And then you think about all of the different applications that sit on top of that. So we do, you know, we do Netflix, that's a different kind of data. We do, um, we send emails, that's a different kind of data. We do video, you know, different kind of things and different kinds of application. They need to be treated in a different way. And it, it, it needs to be that holistic view from, how do I put it, from, from the top of the OSI layer, which is the application down to the physical layer, not just putting in another G. Um, if, we take the, the the last 10 years of you know how how we've evolved as a you know as a community and a collective of 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 human beings you know our needs will continue to change we will continue to exhibit behaviors that would force technology to evolve so it's not simple simply a case of you know we put more bandwidth, we go to spectrums using 100 gigabits per second, and that takes the issue away. And I don't believe that's the approach with industry. However, just looking at the projection of, you know, how we've gone from 1G, 2G, 3G, I mean, I've, I've heard people ask the question, you know, does that mean one day we would be at 10G? And I guess my, my view is it doesn't need to be the case. And one of the things I've been reflecting on recently is around um, whether we would need 5G in the first place. Have we ever needed this? Or <laughs> I'm laughing because I know the answer to that question is yes, um, we do. And I'm convinced about that because I've spent quite a lot of time on it. I've seen the benefits of it. However, um, in my mind and, and this is me putting my researcher hat on I do think a lot of the time what we're missing is all well it's two things primarily one is you know there has to be more around making the systems that we've got now more efficient so they work better so it's not just a case of you know we put in the new tech rip it rip out all the you know rip out all the old tech and all of that and um, one of the things that made me think about that was when I was looking at um, cloud-based uh, RAN architecture. And I know someone might just listen to this and just laugh um, because I'm, I'm, I'm completely off or maybe completely right. I don't know. That's, you know, your, your view entitled to it completely. Um, but when I think of the way cloud architecture is on the move to um, go from 
you know, distributed network where you have each cells, you, you know, you've got its, you know, you've got all of the components serving that you've, so you've got your antennas, you've got your radio units, and then you go to cloud, which says, you know, separate the functions. So you have the more intelligent functions of the radio network sitting in one location. So you get more consolidated control of all of the different access points on the network. And then I think, I said, well, you know, if you had one big cell, all of the right equipment, the right coverage, um, you get that anyway, right? So why have we made it all so complicated? And then we seem to be going back to the same principles again. Yeah, so I asked myself that question over, over and over, you know, when I tried to understand you know, what's happened, how technology has evolved and what needs to happen. So efficiency is of course a big drive. And one of the ideas coming into, um, well, not just coming, but it, it is definitely an emerging area is how um, technology like artificial intelligence can be used to make networks smarter. But of course, making a network smarter is not just a simple case of, you know, writing an algorithm and, you know, telling that algorithm what to do. It's really bringing that function into the node. So the base station itself behaves as a as a smart and intelligent device, not just, you know, you've got this capacity and your time slots need to be arranged this way and then you're programmed to do that and you do that till kingdom come, you know, or you go bust or whatever. But that the base station itself is, is able to make decisions around what, it, what actions it needs to, uh, it needs to execute at a given period of time, you know, following a period of learning and preferably unsupervised learning so that decision can be taken and implemented uh, automatically. So, so, so there's that. And I keep thinking, you know, there, there has to be a way to make networks work better. Because when I look at the building blocks of what is 4G and looking at 4G and 5G um, in particular, I see in some scenarios where you've got a 5G network installed and because trying to think of a scenario now, but there could be a scenario where, you know, a user isn't in the right condition, can't get the best possible modulation. So it gets served in a way as a, as a 4G user, even though you've got 5G, a 5G device and a 5G infrastructure. So for me, there would be, you know, elements of time where even though you've got 5G equipment, both on the network side and on the user side, you're not able to get the um, full benefits of it. So just to round up, you know, do we need another G and where does this end? Um, simple answer is, I don't know, but I think part of the solution has to be in um, looking at ways to make the infrastructure we've got in networks today work better and not necessarily going through the expensive uh, process of, you know, reinventing the wheel sometimes and bringing in completely new technology. I think there might be a benefit actually um, bringing in stuff that works completely different. Because um, I wonder if, you know, sometimes you've got, <laughs> don't shoot me if you're an operator yet, you've got this lovely network, you've got components of it that are legacy, that are old, that you keep trying to add on um new bits and when i thought about this i thought you know it's just like you're, you're trying to you know put a square 
uh, peg into a round hole. You're trying to do something that just doesn't fit. And within telecommunications infrastructure, there's always you know, stuff that's legacy, stuff that's not e easy to change, perhaps on the billing side, perhaps on the IP side, perhaps on the transmission infrastructure uh, itself. So there's a lot to do together. And sometimes I just think, oh, would it be easier just to scrap the whole thing and start again? I know it's not, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a thought. And you never know. You never know how, how these things might go. And because lots of, lots of ideas are coming around. I mean, there's the Open RAN Alliance. There is, you know, talks around, you know, can we virtualize networks? So everyone just, you know, you, 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 you get a slice really. So maybe there's no need for operators to own their own infrastructure. And perhaps, you know, the infrastructure can be built and then people buy slices. And that's really funny. Some of my, my colleagues, when we, we had our graduate scheme would um, recognize that team because it was one of the ideas we discussed to see, you know, why doesn't I think at the time it was Ericsson and we said well Ericsson you've got all the kit why don't just you 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 just be a virtual network operator and then you sell slices back to um to operators to run their building you you run the networks and operators just your spare slice and this is something that has happened many years we've got you know networks like GIFGAF which run on the back of other networks so they 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 get a slice um essentially so slicing yes is is a good idea it might not be all of all of the solution to ending the g's and stopping the evolution i don't believe that would ever be the case but yeah efficiency uh definitely is 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 the way to go and i know it's the team of many research subjects so i hope that's been a useful uh conversation to have around um 1G, 2G, 3G, 4, and 5G, and who knows, N, N, G. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed talking about that, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Let me know if you have any questions or want to have a further discussion about the topic of the Gs. We'll be happy to discuss. Thank you. Bye.